get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. And it's not every day you're able to catch up with the former Major League Baseball general manager, but that is what we are able to do today. Former Tigers GM Al Avila joining us here on the show via the 101 ESPN hotline. Al, we sincerely appreciate the time today. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Uh, we're doing all right. It, it's been a weird year here in St. Louis, Al. I don't know how oh, much sure. you've been able to <laughs> to check out what the Cardinals have done, but they started the year 10 and 24. They are now 11 games under 500, and for the first time in like 15 years, they are legitimate sellers at this year's trade deadline. Uh, from your perspective, from watching from afar, what have you seen from this year's Cardinals team? Well, there's been some underperformance. There's been some injuries. Um but I would say, uh, uh, just like most people, uh, kind of surprised, you know, um, you know, with all the losses uh, adding up. But in saying that, um, you know, they're in a position now where maybe they can retool by making a few trades, um, you know, here at the deadline. Uh, you know, a good example, Paul DeJong, which I think um, they may have been open to trade him in the past and uh, could open up some doors here. Uh, and a couple of pitchers like Flaherty and Hicks possibly also, you know, can bring back something. Uh, but I, I, you know, obviously they're in a, you're, you guys are in a position here to, um, you know, make the team better. I, I don't know that. I don't think they have a, you know, this year is, is, is bygone. Uh, uh, you know, it was kind of difficult to get back into it, but I think just with the, some minor adjustments, uh, obviously, you can get back right into it for by next year. I mean, you know, obviously Contreras was in a situation, you know, behind the plate that also was a little bit of a mess. So a lot of little things like that, you know, contribute to to some losses. Al, how tough of a position is John Mozeliak in right now to where you do need to retool, but you know you have a competitive team, and on top of it, you have a lot of these pieces that at least they seem uncertain about. Well, I, I, I you know, I've known John for. Mo for a long time. Um, he is a really good GM and knows what he's doing. I can tell you that. Uh, I would say that, yeah, it is a tough situation, but you've got to deal with what you've got. And I think, uh, I mean, you know, if I'm in his shoes and I, and I think I know a little bit, I think he's going to be positioning himself to make the best trades possible to make that team still competitive for this year, which, you know, you never know. Things can turn around and he's not going to, he's not going to sell, uh, sell off the farm uh, and, and complete and do a, re, a, a rebuilding here. He, he's going to just kind of retool, uh, could, you know, keep the team strong, and then obviously build on that. 
Al, when you get to a, a trade deadline and you're approaching it the way that Mo is right now, we're talking to Al Avila, former Tigers general manager here on 101 ESPN. What are the conversations like at this point, about a week away from the trade deadline uh, for a team that is selling? What are you trying to do? What are those internal conversations like right now? Bring us into that room. Yeah, and that's a very uh, an interesting room because, you know, every team obviously works a little bit differently. But let's say, you you know, you have your conference room and you have your team of, you know, front office staff in there. And, and basically what you're trying to do is, okay, here are some of the players that we are willing to trade, okay? And, and then you're identifying the teams that you feel you, may, you match best with, okay? So, you know, obviously you got to look at all 30 teams because the team can come in at the last minute and propose something. So you got to be prepared for all 30. But you're doing really uh, uh, a lot of inside work to try to really narrow it down to, to maybe, you know, 10, 10 teams, let's say, or, you know, whatever amount of teams that you come up with, which ones really match up the guys that we have that we're willing to trade with the guy, with the players that we want to acquire. Because the main thing here is you want to identify players that you want to acquire that might match up with somebody that you're trying to trade. So that's what you're going through. Uh, in that room right now, and you're going it over with a fine-tooth comb. And you'll have, you know, each team up there and with the players that you like, you know, kind of in a preferential order, not too different than, like, like the draft, to where when you start those conversations, that we're going to start with this player, and then we're going to go to this player, and then there's going to be a line that you draw, you know, in your own mind, uh, or on that board, you say, okay, we're not going to go past this. this. This is what we want for this. And then after that, you know, we, we can walk away. So you have to kind of have that already prepared uh, in your mind. Al, as a follow-up to that, how much second-guessing can take place in those situations? Like if you're in that chair and you're expecting those phone calls and people are calling about certain players, can there be any room for second-guessing at that time? No, I, you know, well, you're talking about second-guessing yourself? Second-guessing yourself for the players that you're potentially trading away. No, I, I think you've already, you know, most teams already have beat that up, you know, uh, a lot. I, I would say there's probably some players that that are tougher to trade than others because you've, you know, you've gotten close to them. Maybe they mean a little bit more to your clubhouse than another player. Uh, so those t- those guys are a little bit tougher to, to trade, you know. Um, but, but I don't know that, you know, you're second-guessing yourself in that, oh, I, you know, uh, we, we put this guy out there and now we're going to bring him back and we don't want to trade him anymore. Um, you know, that that's a rarity. I, I just think that some players are tougher to trade than others just because what they may mean in, in the clubhouse or to the organization overall. We're talking with Al Avila here on 101 ESPN. Al, a guy that I wanted to ask you about was Nick Castellanos, because as I was looking into Dylan Carlson, the Cardinals young outfielder the other day, uh, Castellanos' start to his career was somebody that immediately came to mind where first couple of seasons, you know, it was it was solid production, but it wasn't anything to write home about. And then by year four or so in the big leagues, he became a really good hitter at the plate. What type of progress did you see from Castellanos that gave you the belief that he was going to become the hitter that we have seen today? What was it that you saw? Well, I was privy to see Castellanos in high school. He actually played uh, high school ball with my son. 
my younger son. And so I've known, I known uh, him for a long, long time. And I can tell you that, we you know, for me and, and within the organization, we always felt that he could hit or his defense had always been a question mark. But when I first saw Castellanos in rookie ball in Lakeland, you know, I, I actually was a little bit afraid because uh, I thought he was afraid of the ball. And, and, and the problem was he had never seen, you know, you know, 95, 97, 98 velocity, uh, you know, in the GCL, you have some of these guys are throwing it all over the place. So you can't really blame a guy for being a little bit uh, gun shy up there. But from that first point to the time that then he progressed into the minor leagues, he made steady improvement every year throughout the year. Uh, that was really remarkable. And then you could just tell that he was coming along. And then when he gets when he gets to the big leagues, kind of no different than his minor league career, where you can see that yeah he's doing okay, but he's struggling. Now he was surrounded by a very very good team, which was a, to his advantage, uh, so he was well protected. But he did get better uh, as time went along. And, and you know what happens is most people when when they see a young player, especially if he's a high pick or whatever, they want instant success. And and sometimes it doesn't come so fast. It just comes with Two things. Number one, you know, physical maturity, because right now, if you look at Castellanos physically, he is so much more mature than his first couple of years in the big leagues, uh, much stronger. Uh, and then, of course, you know, your mental maturity, because you start to really learn, you know, the, the league and the pitchers and what they're trying to do to you. You start really feeding off of other players and you just become a much smarter baseball player and, 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 and a, a much more physical baseball player. So, you know, it just takes a little time, and it's usually within that first, you know, three or four years. So how do you know, Al, when it's time to maybe cut your losses? Like the Cardinals, for example, with Dylan Carlson using him as the example, they've got a very crowded outfield right now, and he's been a name that's been brought up as a potential trade chip for them. But two years ago, he was a rookie of the year candidate. He had 15 home runs, 65 RBIs. He was just 22 years old. He's still a switch hitter. He's a good defender. How do you know when it is time to say, you know what? It's probably not going to happen for us here. Maybe it's best for us to move on and get an asset in return. Look, nobody knows that your player is better than your own organization. If some, if somebody outside of your organization knows your player is better then there's something really, really wrong. Uh, you should know your players better than anybody. And when it, and when you feel it's time to move on, it's time to move on. And sometimes it's not so much anything other than the player needs you know, a, a change of scenery. And you've heard that, you know, that said before, but, you know, once you get the player going through your minor league system and you've had certain guys manage them, hitting coaches, working with them, um, you know, so you, let's say all your player development, you've had scouts look at them. You've had your analysts, you know, crunch every number that you can possibly think of at that point, you say, okay, we're going to just move on. And then sometimes it's not so much, physical but sometimes also it's either emotional or sometimes you know it's just a mental aspect of the game that you might not feel that the player is your kind of player you know maybe he's maybe he's going to produce but he maybe he just he's not your kind of player uh that you want in the organization for whatever reason so there's a lot of reasons why you might want to move on from that player now in saying that you have other teams you know looking at uh, from the outside looking in and they're they're crunching numbers and they're analyzing too, and they'll have people out there looking at, you know, the makeup of that player and what can we do to make him better. And there's certain teams out there that feel, 
if we acquire this guy for the right price, then I, we think we can make him a better baseball player and then he can produce for us. So you've got to find that match out there in the trade market. Al, final one from me. When it comes to the trade deadline, and you've been through plenty of these as the general manager, John Mosaic made it very clear that this team needs help on the pitching side of things. How difficult of a position is that to trade for at a deadline if you're looking to retool with pitching? Yeah, you know, pitching is is uh, is always a high commodity, and you know, that's why you see a lot of pitchers being drafted, and you want to develop your own pitchers because when you go after pitching in the free agent market, uh, it's usually uh, a, a, an expensive venture and also uh, obviously risky. So, and and the trade market is no different. Uh, if you're going after a really good pitcher that's producing, um, you know, you're going to have to give up something that that uh, is going to hurt especially if you're trying to win. So um, it's, it's not easy, but uh, sometimes you do, if, if, it's, if you're going to go after some good pitching, in particular if that pitcher, you still have control years over him, you're going to have to overpay a little bit uh, to, to get that. And, 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 and it usually comes with an offensive player uh, in return. Al, final one. We'll get you out of here on this. The Cardinals have said all year long, or really recently after we've seen them struggle, they're going to have to change the model. And part of that would require them to pay more for pitching, starting pitching specifically. Uh, This offseason, there are some really good pitching free agents, but as you know, as well as anybody, it's really expensive to be able to get those guys to sign. And it's going to cost years and it's going to cost money. What if the Cardinals decide to go that route? Are they signing up for by getting into the big market starting pitching uh, money? How how difficult is that to do? How scary is that as a general manager to do? Well, uh, you, you just you just kind of repeated what I said as far as pitching is very expensive. But I would say be careful because uh, there's a lot of pitching out there um, that. You know, this this past year, you, you, I'm not going to name names, but there's been some pitchers that were signed for big contracts that uh, they're hurt all of a sudden, big names. And so um, that, that's the risk. But I, I will say this. The Cardinals have had a lot of success over a lot of years, and they've made a lot of good, smart moves. So I, I don't think I don't think Mo is the type of guy who's going to go out there and take huge risks on huge money uh, in, that, in that sense. I, I, I think it's, it's more – you, you, it better be a little bit more prudent and go a little bit more after, uh, you know, let's say a little bit more of a uh, middle ground per se. Because once you make those big moves and you spend that big money, you, you, you could put yourself into a big hole. I would say if you're going to risk something that much, uh, you do it at the trade deadline, you do it short or short term. You know, the Mets did, you know, kind of like, a, uh, you know, the new thing where, you know, you pay the, the big dollars, but for very short years, you know, a couple of years. So um, I, I would say you, you, you try to minimize the risk as much as you can. Al, it's been great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate the time as always. And hopefully we'll be able to talk with you again soon about maybe what the Cardinals decided to do and looking back at what they did at the trade deadline. No problem. I'll be here for you.